Guys, there's a new way to say crew. I didn't know that. But if you have, if you replace the C with the K, it's still the same word. It just looks really weird. It's still the same word. But next time, don't do that to me. Just spell it the right way. Okay. Crew is C-R-E-W, not K-R-E-W. Alright. Punch in the mouth official. Here we go. Deuces. Welcome back everybody to the Punch in the Mouth MMA podcast, a podcast where we see the MMA landscape through my eyes. I'm Adrian, welcome back, here we go. This week we got Jack the Joker Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. I don't know if he has a nickname. But before we get into that, there was a Bellator event this past weekend. Ryan Bader versus Valentin Moldovsky. We're going to go through the results right now. Bellator 273. Ryan Bader defeats Valentin Moldovsky. Unanimous decision. Benson Henderson defeats Islam Mamidov. Split decision. Henry Corrales defeats Aiden Lee. Technical decision. We'll get into that later. Sabah. Homasi defeats Jael Willis. Submission armbar. Enrique Barzula defeats Darian Caldwell. Chris Gonzalez defeats Saad Awad. Dalton Rosa defeats Dwayne Johnson. Nikita Makinhaliov defeated. Blaine shot by punches. Lucas Brian defeats Ben Lugo by arm triangle. Sullivan Cully defeat Sullivan Cully defeated Ben Parrish by TKO punches. Okay, here we go. We're gonna start with the main event. Good fight. Ryan Bader. I believe he was down after two rounds. The first two rounds, I believe he was down 2-0. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. He won the first round. He lost the second and third round. So going into the fourth, he was down 2-1. He came back in the fourth. And then the fifth is where it's a toss-up, right? Like, you'll be like, well, what do they score more? Modovsky's grappling or Ryan Bader's punches? Again, we went over this last week. It's what's more effective to end the fight. Moldovsky, at, at that point, he was just laying on him for positioning. Like, he wasn't doing anything with the position. And, yes, I understand that it's a new concept because we as fans, we never think about the rules. We just see the person with the advantage, um, advantageous position. Oh, they're going to win the fight because that's how we're used to seeing it scored. 
But I gotta give it up to these judges, man, especially in the last two fights. When I say last two, I mean co-main event and main event. A lot of people on Twitter are upset because they're saying, oh, they gave it to them because they're from Arizona and they fought in Arizona. Like, hold on. They clearly won those fights. Bader's stand-up was better in the fifth. I'm telling you, Modowski, at that point, he was just laying on top of him for positioning. So I believe the judges got it right in giving it to Ryan Bader. Benson Henderson versus Islam Mamadov. Benson was better on the feet. Um, in the first round, he had Islam in a really tight guillotine, and like even the commentators were saying, "Well, what if he burns his arms out?" He had him in the guillotine for almost. I want to say a minute and a half to two minutes. I could be wrong. I don't remember the times very clearly, but it was for a while. And the aesthetic look of it, he looked like he was chasing it because he was standing at some point. And I wanted him to let go. I'm like, Benson, you need to let go and separate from this guy because if this guy takes you down, it's over. And he went back to the guillotine again in the second round, and this time Islam was able to get on top of him. And do his thing. In the third round, what helped Benson is that he wouldn't accept the position. Like, even though Islam took him down, he was popping up right away. Popping up right away. And his stand-up in the third round was better. So, again, I believe they, they got it right. They gave it to Benson. My hat's off to the judges. The Henry Corrales, Aiden Lee fight, that one sucks. Because Henry Corrales, by no means is he a dirty fighter. And it's just one of those things, right? The open gloves. They were in a clinch and like Henry raked his eyes and Aiden couldn't see afterwards. It's just an unfortunate cause of events. So we'll see, man. So Bahamasi beat Jail Wills. Jet. Yeah, that's easy. Um, some, I didn't see that fight. Um, the Enrique Barzula fight versus Darren Caldwell. That was a good fight. I was on the call for the pre-fight press conference, and they actually picked me to ask Darren a question. I asked him, if you win, would you be on an alternative to the 135-pound tournament? He's like, I don't see why not if I beat him in devastating fashion. Which, if I can tell you guys, this is what I think. He, this guy is a great fighter. His problem is his gas tank. And when he starts grappling, that's all he does. It's not offensive grappling. And that surprises me because he trains at Sanford MMA with Henry Hoof, Michael Chandler, Vicente Luque, former home of welterweight champ Kamar Usman. Like, this guy is not in there with no slouches. I know Rory McDonald either trains there or was training there because of the restrictions they had in Canada. Like, he's not training with slouches. So, I would like to see what Darian does next. In the meantime, Enrique just made a name for himself in Bellator. He took out a former champ. You don't think they're going to give him a top guy now? We'll see where he goes from there. To finish off the event, they announced Ryan Bader's opponent right after. Everybody thought that it was going to be Fedor, including myself. 
And then the, they announced that he's going to fight Czech Congo on May 6th because they just got into Paris. And if you remember, their first fight ended like the Henry Corrales Aiden Lee fight. Because supposedly, not supposedly, Ryan poked him in the eye and Congo couldn't see. So we'll see what happens, man. The next Bellator fight will be Niam Gracie versus, I think his name is John Storley. Logan. That's going to be on February 19th. And on the following week after that, you got Musasi versus Austin Vanderford. It's going to be a good fight. I can't wait for that fight. Let us move on to this weekend's UFC fight. Jack the Joker Hermanson versus Sean Strickland. Pumna Healy Serrano will fight Nick Maximov, the training partner of Nate Diaz. Shavakat Rakhamanov will fight Carlston Harris. Sam Alvey will fight Phil Haas. Now this one right here, Trayshawn Gorge versus Brian Battle. This was going to be the original finale of the Ultimate Fighter, but Trayshawn Gore got hurt, so they rescheduled it for this fight. Julian e. Rose is going to fight Steven Peterson. Miles Johns is going to fight John Casasten. Castaneda, sorry. Hakeem Dawadu is going to fight Michael Trezano. Chichidi Nijukumani will fight Mark Andre Baralut. Jason Witt going to fight Philip Rowe. Alexis Davis will fight Julia Soliranico. Jalton Almeida is going to fight. Delano Marquez. Malcolm Gordon will fight Dennis Bordon. I wrote that Trayshawn Gore, Brian Battle. That one has my eye. Nick Maximo has my eye. Of course, the main event. Sam Alvey's always in a good fight. Junior Rosa's no slouch himself. I'm excited, man. At what time is this starting? Does it say? doesn't say I like it I like it when they're early is that weird I like it when they're early because then I have the rest of the day to do something else but they're cool at night too uh, I, I won't talk about that because then people are gonna start getting mad but it's got like for the fights to be on early huh let's see her son I'm repeating myself because I'm searching if it's going to be on early or not. It's going to start at 4? That's kind of early. It also depends how fast these fights um, end, right? Oh, bro, I straight out... 
miss this guy. Shabakat Ragmata was gonna fight Carlson Harris. How did I miss that? Adrian, you are fucking idiot. This Shabakat guy, he's really good, man. Like, this is a fight we should all be watching. Watching this Shabakat Ragmata. That guy is for real. I'm definitely watching that guy's fight. And the weekend after, we got UFC 271. Baker versus Israel Adesanya. Got Robert Whitaker versus Israel. Derek Lewis versus Taitui Vasa. Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. Bobby Green versus Nassar Hakparset. Hakparest. Sorry. Andre Arlowski versus Jared Vandera. Roxanne Moderferry versus Casey O'Neill. Alex Perez versus Matt Chanel. William Knight versus Maximum Grishin. Leomana Martinez versus Ronnie Lawrence. Alexander Hernandez versus Renato Moicano. Carlos Ullenberg versus Fabio Cherin Ant. AJ Dobson versus Jacob Malcolm, Douglas Silva, Andre versus Sergey Morozov, and Jeremiah Willis versus Mike Mathia. Okay, let's go back to this week's fight. I believe for Sean Strickland and when he has to keep it on the feet, even though Jack Hermanson is no slouch, and then I think Jack needs to use his grappling. He needs to use his grappling. So we're not, we're not Nate's going to be in the building in Las Vegas this weekend. I'll tell you that much. I do know that much. So the, the UFC, I don't know if it's officially announced, but there are rumblings that... Well, it's on ESPN, so I'm pretty sure it's good to go. Yeah, yeah. So there are rumblings that Justin Gaethje will fight Charles Oliveira at UFC 274. That's also the card where Glover Teixeira will fight Iri Prochatska. This is an article by Brett Akamo. The UFC has not announced an official venue. It had considered holding it in Brazil, but now the card is expected to take place in the U.S., Oliveira is coming off a spectacular year in 2021. The 32-year-old from Brazil won the vacant title by knocking out Michael Chandler in the second round of an exhilarating title fight in May and finished off the calendar year with a comeback submission victory over Dustin Poirier in his first title defense. Gaethje has been waiting for another crack at UFC gold since former champion Khabib Nurmagomedov retired in October 2020. Gaethje of Arizona challenged Nurmagomedov for the title in the final fight of Nurmagomedov's career, his record made him worthy of fighting for the vacant title right away. 
but he, he was forced to pick up one more win before earning the shot. That win came against Michael Chandler in November at UFC 268 at Madison Square Garden, where Gaethje won the belt via decision. Okay, my only question now is, who's the who's the main event? Because they what they usually do is to have the heavier champion be the main event. But I don't know. The only time I didn't see that happening was when I forgot who I want to say Tim Sylvia fought Jeff Munson. When Tim Sylvia fought Jeff Munson, and I believe. I want to say, I know Matt Hughes fought somebody, but I don't know if it was the second. No, because Matt won. So I want to say it was the second BJ fight where he defended the belt. I can look it up. I don't know why I'm stressing over this. So, like, the, my point in saying this is the only time I've ever seen the heavyweights not be the main event of a card at that time. I'm pretty sure there's more times, but I mean other occasions, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. So he lost to Kasha, he lost to BJ, he lost, he beat Ricardo Almeida, he beat Hensel, he beat Sarah. he lost to Thiago Alves, he lost to George. I think it was this one. It was. No, no, no. Then Q's lost. Okay. So, at UFC 265 Bad Intentions, the co-main event was Tim Sylvia versus Jeff Munson. And then the main event was George St. Pierre versus Matt Hughes. They would never do this again, okay? Trust me on that. They would never have the heavyweights co be co-main event. The only reason it was is because GSP was fighting. And if that were to happen now, they just put them on different cards. Frank Mir, Frank Mir fought on that card. He lost to Brandon The Truth Vera. Joe Stevenson fought. Pond Don Osuke Mishima beat him by guillotine choke. My boy Nick Diaz fought on the prelims beating Glayson Tebow. James the Sandman Irvin beat Hector Ramirez. That's cool. My boy Nick Diaz. Why does this Hector Ramirez guy sound familiar? Is there pictures in? No. Nick Diaz. Anyway, that I don't know why I went that route, but I just went that route. Oh, now I remember. The reason I say that is because they usually have the heavier way fighter fight in the main event because it gives off the perception like yeah yeah this guy's the champion of a smaller way but if he were to come fight this guy this guy probably beat him 
So my point in doing that little sidebar for you guys was I believe that's the only time UFC 263 bad intenders or 65 where GSP and Matthews headline over Tim Sylvia and Jeff Munson. So if I'm correct, I believe it'll go Yuri Prochatska versus Glover Teixeira and then Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. We'll see. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a good fight. What do you think is going to happen? Like, I don't like giving predictions because... I know I've explained this before, but if I want to talk to these fighters, you know, I don't want them to hear this, and I know it sounds egotistical, but what I don't want is for them to hear this and be like, yo, you said this guy was going to beat me like this, like this, like this. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's not anything, per I just thought those were keys to victory. But for this, I don't know, like, Gaethje needs to make it. A dirty fight, he needs to make it a crazy fight, he needs to be in Olivera's face because if you notice when Olivera's like overwhelmed, that's when he becomes vulnerable. What Olivera needs to do is stay calm, kick Gaethje's leg a little bit, kick him in that body with that teep kick that he was hitting Dustin with, and fish for the submission. It's gonna be a great fight, it's gonna be full of violence. I'm sad that it can't be in Brazil anymore. When they said it was going to be in Brazil, I'm like, I don't think so. Because, like, the pandemic's still pretty bad. Like, the U.S. somewhat figured it out, but, like, everywhere else it's gotten pretty bad. So, we'll see. Peña versus Nunez. Okay. I don't know. If, if I've talked about this on the show before, I apologize. I don't remember talking about it on the show. So I'm going to do it again. If I did, if I haven't, this is going to be the first time. We all heard... I have talked about this, but I'm still going to talk about it. We all heard that Amanda Nunes... <coughs> that Amanda Nunes is going to leave American Top Team. Right? So that was news. And then it came out that they're trying to do the Ultimate Fighter with Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes. Now the thing with the Ultimate Fighter is that if they pick two coaches, they already have somewhat of, of a timeline when they want that fight to happen. And it is believed that the UFC want to book the rematch between Juliana Pena and... Amanda Nunes for UFC 276, aka Fight Week, International Fight Week. That's on July the 2nd. So, in order for them, because from what I've heard, it's like an eight week process. I believe. They have to start filming right now in March, right? And if it's a 10 episode thing.
they're gonna be there for like 10 12 weeks this thing's gonna air in March nah but for it to finish on time depending how many episodes it is and how many fights they do per episode they could air it in March and then if they just do towards the end if they just add instead of one fight per episode they do two fights because the fights end fast enough they could be on that card the only way I don't see them being on this card is if Conor McGregor comes back because Dana has says that he wants Conor McGregor on that card if Conor McGregor fights on this card we will have no title fights I'll tell you that much right now if Conor McGregor fights on this card we will have no title fights because of what I explained before he makes too much money for the for the company and if a champion fights on that card they get a piece of it and they don't like it so no championships on the card unless Conor McGregor is fighting for it I don't see him fighting for it right away maybe if Charles wins but there's also Islam Islam's gonna fight right now in February he's gonna fight right now in February what if he wins the only way this messes up is if Islam loses, you know what I mean? That's the only way this messes up. But if he wins, he's the next guy. Like, there's no denying it after that. Like, you can even, if you want, if you want, and I'm pretty sure the UFC's going to do this, if he wins, if Benil Dariush wins, that's going to be Conor McGregor's comeback. If Benil Dariush wins, he will be Conor McGregor's comeback fight. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong right now. Like, if you're listening to this, tell me I'm wrong. Because you know I'm not. If Benio Darius wins, he will fight Conor McGregor upon his return. There are better fights for Conor out there with, like, name value. But depending on what Conor wants to do, look at it. So, Benio's at number three, Dustin's at number two, Islam's at number four, Michael's at number five. If Rafael Dos Anjos beats Rafael Fazib, he should fight Conor McGregor. I know the UFC won't go for this, but I'm just saying. And then Dan Hooker's at featherweight, so 9 through 15 should get bumped up one. Or you can even have Conor fight Tony Ferguson, even though I heard they're trying to do Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler. That's a good fight. That's a good fight. Point being, if Conor McGregor fights at, at UFC, I said 275? 276? Can't remember. 276? There will be no title fights. I don't believe they're going to put Conor on this card. What I think they're going to do is, if that fight is actually going to happen, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena, it'll happen on that card and I believe the main event will be the return of John Jones versus Stipe Miocic for the interim heavyweight belt because again I don't know if I explained this on this show already but if I did I apologize I don't remember so I'm gonna go over it again Francis Ngannou has a torn ACL I believe on one knee and a torn MCL on the other that's why when he fought Cyril, you saw his knees padded. 
and he's not gonna go into surgery until March and that's easily a 10 month delay 10 months for him to start training or 10 or 9 I think it's 9 9 months for him just to start training and then 3 months after that his contract is up so I believe they're gonna use Stipe versus Jones at UFC 276 as a contingency plan they're just gonna wait and see what he does and then if Francis doesn't resign, okay, whoever won that fight will be your champion. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they put Davidson Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno for on this card to have three title fights and blow the roof off Vegas, bro. You don't think Hispanics will, will go to Vegas in support of Brandon Moreno, even Brazilian, bro. I mean, my God. So this is my prediction. UFC 276, there will be three title fights. Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueiredo for the rematch between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes, and then the interim title fight between John Jones and Stipe Miocic. That's what I believe is going to happen. I have no insider information on this. These are all just my opinions. I said at the beginning of the show. Uh, Opinion-based podcast. Seeing the MMA landscape through my eyes. That's what I believe is going to happen. So going back to Amanda. I have a theory on what happened with this girl. If you remember... Her and Juliana were originally going to fight in August in Houston. She ended up getting COVID. You could say, oh, it didn't really affect me, this, this, and that. She can say all those things. But she knows. She knows if it really did or it didn't. She knows. Number two, this is her fight. First fight at 135. In over a year, right? Because her last fight was against Jermaine Durandamy in December of 2019. 2021. So, her last, her other two fights took place at featherweight. And she didn't have to cut that weight at all. What if she didn't do a very good job of maintaining the weight on? And if you guys remember... Originally, she was going to fight Megan Anderson in December of 2021. I mean, December of 2020, and she ended up fighting her in March of 2021. You guys remember that? And they gave, like, no reason why that fight got moved at all, as far as I could remember. I don't know if it was Amanda or Megan that asked for it to be moved. And then number three, how hard was the weight cut anyway? Like, so she's maintaining all this weight. If you guys remember the Jermaine Durandamy fight, she didn't look all that great. The minor difference that Juliana Pena did over Jermaine Durandamy was she didn't accept being on the ground, like, Jermaine Durandamy just accepted it. 
she just accepted being on the ground and didn't really do anything, so Amanda looked dominant. Vice versa, Juliana did it. She said, okay, I'm here. I need to do this to get up. Like, her moving was exhausting, Amanda. Her movement. And, again, that smack talk Juliana was talking, she believed every single word of it. Every single word. She believed. I'm excited for the ultimate fight. I wonder how much smack these two girls are going to talk to each other. Even though I know they don't have personal problems with each other, but just being around somebody you know you're going to go get into a fist fight with on a certain date, there's going to be some tension, bro. Don't tell me there's not, because I know there is. But now that we're talking about International Fight Week, I'll read you guys the press release. UFC today announced that the 10th annual UFC International Fight Week will take place in Las Vegas from Monday, June 27th through Sunday, July 3rd, headlined by UFC 276, the 2022 UFC Hall of Fame induction ceremony, and a two-day interactive fan experience. Included among these key highlights of the week will be a prestigious 2022 Hall of Fame induction ceremony presented by Toyo Tires, held annually as part of International Fight Week. The ceremony honors the contributors, the athletes, who have helped shape the UFC while leaving an indelible mark on the sport of mixed martial arts. We're excited to announce the return of the UFC International Fight Week to Las Vegas this summer and we can't wait to provide our fans with greater access, a wide variety of activations and more memorable experiences than ever before. UFC Chief Operating Officer Ike Lawrence Epstein said, IFW is our annual event celebrating all things UFC and combat sports and we couldn't do it without our partners from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. Spanning for more than 200,000 square feet of entertainment activation space, the Las Vegas Convention Center will host UFC's fully immersed and easily accessible two-day fan experience from Friday, July 1st to Saturday, July 2nd. We're thrilled to welcome UFC International Fight Week back to Las Vegas and host the fan experience at the Las Vegas Convention Center, said Steve Hill, CEO and President of the LBCBA. UFC has been an integral part of Las Vegas evolution as a major sports city, and we both no, the fans and fighters will enjoy world-class only in Vegas experiences. In addition, Las the Las Vegas Convention Center will also host the return of amateur tournaments from various disciplines beginning on Thursday, June 23rd and concluding on Sunday, July 3rd. The fan experience will be produced by a global full-service cultural marketing agency, 160 over 90. Fans from around the world who converge to Las Vegas for International Fight Week will also be able to enjoy the ceremonial weigh-ins, press conference, and live entertainment of a traditional fight week. Plus, UFC fans can enter their chance to win an epic dream week of International Fight Week. One lucky winner and guest will win an all-around kind VIP experience to UFC International Fight Week in Las Vegas, including exclusive access to UFC 276, the UFC Hall of Fame ceremony, the two-day fan experience, and much more details regarding the bout for card UFC 276 location and additional activities.
for UFC International Fight Week will be announced at a later date. For more information, please visit UFCFightWeek.com. Um, if it sounds like I got a little distracted, it's because I did. I was looking at something else. I apologize for that. But, it's coming back. Do you guys remember the Volk Ortega fight was International Fight Week for 2020 on a... I guess they kind of downgraded it. It usually happens in July. But they did it in September. I don't know if you guys remember. but Yeah, that. So Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena. It's going to be a good fight. The, the thing becomes with Amanda's new camp. Is she blaming somebody at ATT or does she feel with the new camp she's gonna well she's not it's not a new camp because she's opening her own gym from what I understand so it's not a new camp I should stop saying that. it's not a new camp so with her opening her own gym like what other struggles does it bring? Like, is she going to be running the day-to-day? -day? Like, it opens a whole new can of questions, right? <clears throat> because if she's blaming somebody, I'm telling you the answer is not to open a gym. I hope she's taking responsibility for that loss. Because she didn't prepare correctly. I can tell you that much. I'm not a fighter, guys, but I could tell you she didn't prepare correctly. I don't know if she was feeling herself. I don't know if she had lingering COVID effects. I don't know if the weight was an issue and she just didn't want to tell nobody, anybody. I was going to do matchmaker, but, like, uh, there's no point because Bellator's already made the Congo um, Bader fight. But instead of Matchmaker, I'll talk about Ego FC. But we still got one more thing to talk about. So, you, I don't remember. Okay, you guys remember? You guys know that fight I always talk about? Carlos Condit versus Nick Diaz? If you're my friend, I will never shut up about this fight. But my point is that that fight was on Super Bowl weekend. This year, they're finally doing a pay-per-view on Super Bowl weekend again. UFC 271 will be the same day as Super Bowl. Will be the same weekend, not same day, I'm sorry. Same weekend as the Super Bowl. So you got 271 on Saturday, and then you got the Super Bowl Sunday. Can I tell you guys, I love the Super Bowl, but to charge... $5,900 to go to see the game live is criminal. Criminal. Let's read Tom Brady's um, farewell speech because he officially retired today. Before we talk about Eagle FC. What's on his Instagram? I'll go look at it. 
Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is this is Tom Brady's official retirement speech that he put on Instagram. I've always believed the sport of football is an all-in pr proposition. If a 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. And succeed is what I love so much about our game. There is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that allowed me to maximize my highest potential. And I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. This is, a this is difficult for me to write. But here it goes. I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have. I loved my NFL career. And now it is time for me to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting this past week and I have asked myself difficult questions. And I am proud of what we have achieved. My teammates, coaches, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me. But right now, it's best I leave the field to play to the next generation of dedicated and committed athletes. To my Buck teammates, the past two years, I love you guys, and, and I have loved going to battle with you. You've dug so deep to challenge yourselves, and it inspired me to wake up every day and give you my best. I'm always here for you guys and want to see you guys continue to push yourselves to be your best. I couldn't be happier with what we accomplished together. Spoiler alert, I heard he doesn't mention the Patriots at all. To all the Buck fans, thank you. I didn't know what to expect when I arrived here, but your support and, and embrace have enriched my life and that of my family. I've been honored to play for such a passionate and fun fan base. To the city of Tampa and the entire Tampa-St. Petersburg region, thank you. It has been wonderful to be a resident of such a fun place to live. I want to be invited to our next boat parade. To the Glazer family, thank you for taking a chance on me and supporting me. I know I was demanding at times, but you provided everything we needed to win, and your ownership was everything a player could ask for. To Jason Lynch, thank you. Lynch, thank you for your daily support and friendship. I will never forget. I have never been through free agency, and I had some trepidation about how we could achieve success. Your leadership gave me confidence, and I will always be grateful. To my head coach, Bruce Arians, thanks for putting up with me. Your firm leadership and guidance were ideal. There is no way we could have succeeded. Could have had success without your experience, intuition, and wisdom. I am very grateful. To all the Bucks coaches, my sincere thanks for all the hard work, dedication, and discipline that goes into creating a winning team. I have learned so much from all of you and will value the relationship we have. To every single Bucks staffer and employee, thank you, each of you. It's critically important, and I, I was greeted with a smile every day. That means so much to me. The work is made up of long hours and hard tasks. But please know, I see each and every one of you. Thank you so much. To Alex Guerrero, thank you. I could never have made every Sunday without you. It's that simple. Your dedication to your craft and our friendship and brotherhood are immeasurable. We have an unbreakable bond and I love you. To Don Z and Steve Dubbin, thank you. 
You've been with me every step of the way since I left the University of Michigan and before I entered the league. What a journey it's been, and I couldn't do it without you. Yo, bro, no wonder the Patriot fan base is kind of... I'm kind of down. He's not mentioning the... To my parents and entire family and extended family of countless friends, I love you all and thank you for your never-ending support and love. I could never have imagined the time and energy you have given me for the past 30 years in football. I can never repay you and just know I love you so much. And lastly, to my wife Giselle and my children Jack, Benny, and Vivi. You are my inspiration. Our family, not Vivi, Vivi. Sorry. Our family is my greatest achievement. I always came off the field and home to the most loving family and supportive wife who has done everything for our family and allowed me to focus on my career. Her selflessness allowed me to reach new heights professionally and I am beyond words what you mean to me and our family. Te amo amor. Da mera vida. My playing career has been such a thrilling ride and far beyond my imagination and full of ups and downs. When you're in it every day and you really don't think about any kind of ending, as I sit here now, however, I think of all the great players and coaches I was privileged to play with and against. The competition was fierce and deep, just how I like it, but the friendships and relationships are just as fierce and deep. I will remember and cherish these memories and revisit them often. I feel like the luckiest person in the world. The future is exciting. I'm fortunate to have co-founded an incredi incredible companies like Autograph.io, Brady Brand, TB12 Sports that I am excited to continue to help build and grow. But exactly what my days will look like will be a work in progress. As I said earlier, I'm going to take it day by day. I know for sure I want to spend time giving to others and trying to enrich other people's lives just as so many have done for me. With much love, appreciation, and gratitude, Tom. Yo, no wonder. Um, Dave Pornoy from Barstool Sports, he was mad. No mention of the six rings he's won with with the Patriots. I mean, there might be something there that maybe him and Belichick aren't on good terms. I don't know. See, man, but hey, thank you, Tom. Thank you for all the Sundays you let me give my mom hell because she wasn't a big fan of Tom Brady because of Spygate. But I always loved Tom because of his willingness to win, his dedication to win. And he was a very humble person because people say, yes, he's competitive and stuff like that. But they're saying off the field he was one of the nicest people or is the one of the nicest people. So I would want... I want to see where he goes from here. I'm not going to talk about UFC because I don't feel like talking about UFC after reading that is a proper way to end this. So we're going to end it on that. Thank you to the GOAT, Tom Brady, TB12. He was, um, in a game of inches, he was an inch away from being in the AFC champion, 
or in the NFC Championship game. I'm sorry. Is it the AFC or NFC? Whatever conference the books are part of, the blue one. I know it's the blue one. I just always get confused with with the letters. In a game of inches, he was that close. He brought them back from a 28 to three deficit, got a 28 to 28, but the defense couldn't hold up. All in all, enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. Um, follow me, Punch in the Mouth Official on Instagram, official underscore pitm on Twitter. And I finally got my camera up and running. I got my two cameras, so the videos are going to be coming soon. I'm in talks with Bellator to see if I can use their content to do breakdowns. So we'll see what happens there. If you don't see no breakdown videos, because they said no. Okay? Alright, guys. Later.